Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. We really want to encourage you. Um, your invite does matter. All of us know people in our lives that uh, need the good news of the gospel this season. And uh, what better way to invite them um, than Easter Sunday? In fact, our staff was out uh, during one of our prayer meetings this week, prayed over all the names, um, standing with you, believing that people would really receive the good news of the gospel this season. Because let's not forget that Easter is good news. It's the gospel message that we preach. The Bible says that the gospel, there is power for salvation. That's the message that we have. That's what we are declaring as the people of God. The, the message of Easter is really, it's good news. And we can't forget that. It's, it's better news than Christmas is. Now, of course, it's important to celebrate um, the gift of Jesus that God has sent his son and that Jesus was born for us. But if you were to remove the story of Christmas from the Bible, you'd lose only two chapters in Matthew and Luke. But if you remove the story of Easter from the Bible, you'd lose all of the New Testament, all the early church, and probably all of Christianity as well. Christmas is significant, don't hear me wrong, but babies are born every day. What made that baby significant is that he grew up to die on a cross, freeing us for our sin and our shame. And three days later, he got out of the grave, defeating the power that death holds over us, that we could be raised to walk a brand new life one day in heaven. That's the message of Easter that we have. And uh, I think it's the reason that we're gathered here today. We're not, we're not here simply to have a religious experience. We are here because of the conviction to the message that Jesus is alive. That's, that's the hope that we have. That's the, the good news that we have. That's, that's the message that we're here to, to share is that Jesus is alive. And this morning, I want to set us on kind of a trajectory towards Easter Sunday to, to preach something that I've been meditating on and really feel like God has been speaking to me for the heart of our church. I mean, I want to preach to you today from this title, What Makes the Good News So Good? What Makes the Good News So Good? I was reading um, in an article by Psychology Today this week in which researchers had investigated the effects of feel-good news stories on our mental health and mood. It was the stories of the local cat being rescued from a tree or the uh, local man who pays for the Starbucks of the person behind him in the drive-thru and sparks a chain of serendipity and paying it forward. The study actually had found that after funding resources and careful investigation that feel-good news is actually an important way to counteract the negativity of bad news that fills our phones and televisions. And all those heartwarming stories with happy endings can actually help fight stress and anxiety and in turn make us more happy. In short, the study said that good news is good for you. Yeah. How many know yeah. science is just catching up to what the Bible has been trying to tell us? that the good news is good for you. It is good news. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to help to understand and unpack why this message is so good and what makes it so good. Here's the whole message in one sentence. If the good news is as good as we say, it should bring us joy on the inside and compel us to share it on the outside. The message of the gospel should bring us joy on the inside and compel us to share it because we are wired for joy. This morning, I want to talk to you about joy. I want to help you to get your joy back because haven't you noticed it's too much work to be a negative person? 
Like it's exhausting to live that way. Joy is like common sense. We are, we are wired for joy. And I want to help us to understand how we can understand this message of the good news and, and get in the goodness part back. I'm not talking about happiness. I'm talking about real joy. That even in the middle of pain and sorrow, there is a cause today for your heart to overflow with hope. Even in the middle of the condition that you are faced with, every fear can be displaced. And there is a reason for you to sing the song of joy today. That's the power of the gospel, that, that it would be like what David prayed in Psalm chapter 51. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Restore the joy of my salvation, real joy, lasting joy, not circumstantial or occasional joy, but absurd joy in every season. The life that Jesus has called us to is a life of joy. And if we miss that, we miss the gospel altogether. To live without joy is to not live in the life that God has called us to. And to miss out on this, we're actually missing out on God's best for our life. The life that God has for you is a life of absurd joy. I love what G.K. Chesterton said. He said, for the Christian, sadness is but a momentary interlude. Praise should be the regular rhythm of the soul. Cynicism and resentment are emotional escapes, but joy is the gigantic secret of the Christian. Joy is the gigantic secret of the Christian. And today, the secret needs to be let out of the bag. Come on, we need to get our joy back a little bit. We need to be restored to the joy of this message. I believe that joy should be the definitive marker of every believer. Joy is the right response to salvation. Joy is the right response to, to when God works in our life. Joy is the right response to the gospel message. It's the right response. And I believe that God takes joy seriously. One person said it like this, joy is the serious business of heaven. I like that. God is serious about us living a life of joy. And I want to take us to a passage of scripture here in Philippians chapter four, where Paul writes and says nearly the same. He says, I've got this joy and I found the secret to joy. Now, Philippians chapter four, as you turn there, Philippians is a letter written to the church in Philippi. And interestingly, it is the most joyful book of the Bible. It's the happiest letter that we have. Paul's writing and uh, you get a picture of somebody who's just overflowing with hope. It seems to just abound out of his words. But interestingly, that none of his circumstances would have contributed to his joy. Philippians is also a letter written from a Roman prison. It's written by a man who's at the end of his life, who has been beaten and persecuted for his faith, nearing the very end of his journey. And there, Paul is celebrating and rejoicing in prison. So what's his secret? Philippians chapter 4 and verse 10. Let's look at this together. It says in the message version, I am glad in God far happier than you would ever guess. Happy that you're showing again such strong concern for me. Not that you ever quit praying and thinking about me. You've just had no chance to show it. Actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally, for I have learned by now how to be quite content whatever my circumstances. I am just as happy with little as with much and with much as with little. For I have found the secret for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty, whatever I have, this is a secret, whatever I have, 
wherever I am, I can make it through anything through him who gives me strength. Skipping down to verse 18 for the sake of time, he says, now I have it all and I keep getting more. The gifts that you sent with Epaphroditus were were more than enough, like a sweet smelling sacrifice roasting on the altar, filling the air with fragrance, pleasing God to no end. Verse 19, you can be sure that God will take care of everything you need. His generosity exceeding even yours in the glory that pours from Jesus. Our God and Father abounds in glory that just pours out into eternity. You feel happy already, don't you? That's the picture that we get with Philippians. But here's Paul with every reason on the planet to be defeated, every reason to be angry and frustrated, every reason to want to give up and throw in the towel. And you'd think that he was delusional singing in a jail cell because that's the last thing that we would do because joy is so much easier to preach than it is to live. And Paul is here singing in jail, talking about, I'm happy, I'm happier than you could ever imagine, until he says the secret. He says, I've learned the secret. My joy is found in this secret that I can make it through anything through him who gives me strength. This is why I love the Bible. I love that joy is not just a biblical idea, but I love the way the Bible talks about joy. I love what the Bible says about joy. Paul says this. He says, if you want to know the secret to my joy, my secret is my source. My secret is my source. I've got joy because I've got the right source. That's why I can sing in prison. That's why I can sleep in a storm. That's why I can lift my hands when it feels like my life is falling apart. That's why I can smile in the middle of difficulty and chaos and confusion because I've got a different source. My joy isn't connected to my circumstances. My joy is connected to my God who can supply every need I have. I love the ESV. It says this in verse 19, my God can supply all my needs. You hear the conviction in his voice. My God can supply your every need, physical needs, spiritual needs, emotional needs, relational needs. There is nothing that we can desire that God does not provide. Nothing at all, nothing that we can hope for, nothing we can desire that God does not provide. This was the story at the beginning of the Bible. This is the story the Bible tells us in the garden. There at the center of life, God provided everything they needed. This was the story of the Exodus wilderness, that there on the journey, God provided everything they needed. And this is the story that Paul is telling from a Roman prison. And it's important that we learn this story because our culture would tell us a very different one. It's telling us a story less about joy and more about lack. See, we live in this world dominated by this idea of scarcity. It's this mindset of insufficiency that there's simply not enough. And we're filled with this constant sense that what we have is not enough because there's not enough for everybody to go around. And if this is what we believe, if this is what we are rooted in, then our response to insufficiency becomes self-sufficiency. That if I really want to be secure, then I need to fight for what's mine and hold on to what I have. Produces comparison. It produces greed, which unfortunately is probably the most familiar story in human history. 
We try and sustain all of this by ourselves and we say, okay, I wanna be happy. I, I deserve to be happy. So I have to go and make myself happy. But all of this is rooted in the idea that there's simply not enough. And if somebody has more of whatever, then it's infringing upon mine. And see, what this produces in our life is, here's what happens. We start living like this. What's he doing? What's she wearing? Where'd they go? Where's he work? What do they have? What car did he get? Where do they live? See, or this. <laughs> and we have this constant source of unhappiness and delusion fill in our pockets in the form of a device. And it produces in us this sense of self-sufficiency that I've got to somehow hold it all together and fight for what's mine. But it's no wonder that we lack joy. It's no wonder that we lack happiness because comparison will always steal your joy. And you can't compare your situation to somebody else's situation and expect it to produce joy in you. This is the story that we're so inundated with. But then there is this book. And this book tells us the story of a God who, from his very whisper, created galaxies and oceans and life. And all of life, he said, was good. It tells us the story of a God who is working throughout history to bring healing to our broken world. It tells us the story of a God who isn't distant, but is present in our lives, who is raising up a people called the church to be transformed into his image. It tells us the story of a God who is seated in heaven, full of glory and abundance. Paul tells us this story that because of Jesus, we can be absurdly joyful and wildly generous as we trust in him who can supply our every need. Paul says this crazy thing. He says, I have learned the secret in a prison that joy doesn't come from me trying to hold it all together or me trying to work it all out. Said a different way, joy doesn't come in self-sufficiency. It comes from Christ's sufficiency. He is more than enough for me. Out of the overflow of his glory, he can meet my every need. And I'm telling you today, the secret to joy is where you look to find it. Because where you look to find joy will determine how long it lasts. Paul says, I've got a secret source. I've got a different source. He says, there is a well that never runs dry. He says, there is a place that I can go where out of God's abundance, he can supply every need I have. It's a well that never runs dry. Just help, allow me to build your faith today, to broaden your perspective. God is not the God of scarcity. He's not the God of, of just enough. He's not the God of let me just get by. God is the God of overwhelming abundance. He's the God of more than we could ask, think, or imagine. He's the God of better than I ever thought. He's the God of more than enough. So this is the question for you today. What's your source? Where do you go to find joy? That's the question. Do you know your source? Because where you go looking will determine how long it lasts. Let me explain it to you like this. You know, every time my parents come to visit us, um, they, they live out of the state. And so many times they'll come out a couple times a year and they'll, they'll visit my wife and I. And every time they come in to visit, they go back, they revert back into parent mode. 
You know what I'm talking about? Where, where, where it's like I try and plan these things to enjoy the weather and spend some time together as a family and make memories. But there my parents are kind of walking around the house making to-do lists. <laughs> through and through, my parents are helpers. Anybody, are you a parent like my parents that say, they'll always be my kids? Okay, relax, relax. So my parents, they start making all these to-do lists and they come it's like, okay, we, we need to go grocery shopping, and then we need to uh, get fertilizer for the lawn, and then we need to uh, get vitamins for the dog, and then we need to gas up the cars, and then we need to get you stocked up on bottled water because five cases of bottled water is not enough bottled water if Russia invades Orange County. And so we need to make sure that you are stocked up and ready to go. And I'm like, mom, I'm 30, I love you, but we don't need all that. And I found myself just getting kind of frustrated because I'm like, I'm trying to make all these plans together as a family, but by the end of the day, we've got a million things to do and a million places to go. And then my parents introduced me to a store called Costco. <laughs> Have you heard of this place? Why would you go anywhere else? We started walking through the store. It's like, okay, water, we got it. Food, we got it. You need medication, we got it. Lawn care, we got it. Do you need a TV? We got it. How about a mattress? We've got it. Do you need a, a new vacation? We got it. You need new furniture? We got it. You need a wedding ring? We got it. And by the one store, we would work through our whole list. We got everything that we needed. And then I realized this, Jesus is Costco. We don't have to go to one place looking for this and one place looking for this. I don't gotta go there for fulfillment and here for direction and there for hope. I'm telling you today, everything you need is found in Jesus. Do you need hope? Jesus. Do you need help? Jesus. Do you need healing? Jesus. Do you need breakthrough? Jesus. Do you need a miracle? Jesus. Everything you need is found in Jesus. Come on, let's give him praise today. He's got everything I need. And that's the secret. He is my source. Everything I need is found in him. The secret is where I go to get it. And this is what I want to help get in your heart today. Because the way the Bible understands joy is that it doesn't even come from us. It's like, oh, be happier. No, 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 no. Oh, Instagram told me to choose joy. Guess what? I tried that. It sucks. It doesn't work. It doesn't work that way because joy is not a choice. Joy is not a perspective you have. Joy is not an emotion. Hear me today. Joy is an outcome. Yeah, that's good. And if that's the only thing you get from the message today, I promise you it's worth the gas money. Joy is not an emotion. Joy is an outcome. See, it's the result of me having the right source. Joy is the result of, it's what's produced in me in living a godly life. That's the way the Bible describes it. It says that joy is a produce of godliness. It says joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5 and 22, it says this. It says, for the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, suspicion, if you're a Baptist, just come on. <laughs> joy is the outcome of the Holy Spirit's work. We love, we love you guys, okay? I'm just teasing. But joy is a product of my life having the right source. It's an outcome of the Holy Spirit's work in your life. 
Joy is predicated on a right relationship with Jesus. And I'm trying to tell you today, you simply cannot be a happier person by yourself. Joy is predicated on a relationship with Jesus, which means a failure to have joy is a failure to connect to the Holy Spirit. Joy is an outcome. It's a product of having the right source. Joy isn't something that's waiting in secret to be discovered. It's, it's not something that's waiting to be found, waiting on your next career move, waiting on your next relationship, waiting on your next paycheck or your next vacation, waiting on somewhere that you're not right now. Joy is developed in you. It's produced in you by the work of the Holy Spirit. It's cultivated in your life as you stay connected to him. And he produces it, not you. Joy is is, is an outcome. And I wonder today if you could look at the area of your life with the least amount of joy. Is that also the area that you are most self-reliant? Joy is an outcome of having the right source. Paul said, my secret is my source. Full pantry or empty, opportunity or opposition, I know this one thing, that God can supply my every need. Even Jesus says this, John chapter 15. We love love the metaphor of the vine and the branches. But Jesus, in, in telling this, the whole discourse is about life in the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, Jesus tells his disciples, he says, I'm leaving, but I'm sending you a helper. I'm sending you an advocate. I'm sending you a comforter, someone to come alongside of you. And John chapter 15 says, because I'm leaving and the Holy Spirit is coming to dwell within you, the way that we relate to each other is not to people, but like a vine and a branch. And as you stay connected to me, my life will flow through you. And at the end of his metaphor of vines and branches, Jesus says this in John chapter 15, verse 10 and 11. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. And then he says this, I have spoken this to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. The whole purpose of being connected to the Holy Spirit is that the life of God would flow through us. I'm telling you today, you you can't just be happier. You can't do it. It doesn't work that way. Joy is an outcome of being connected to the right source. And I'm telling you today that Jesus is more than enough to give you more joy than your heart could even hold. That when you abide in him, When you're connected to the power of the Holy Spirit, there is joy that comes into your life beyond what you can explain. The message I'm preaching to you today is not a message of positive thinking. It's not a message of having a positive perspective. It's a message of positive rooting. It's being connected to the right source. That's the secret. And that's the revelation. I'm not here to tell you three practical steps to produce more joy in your life. It's really this simple. What's your source? Where do you go when you're looking for hope? Where do you go when you're looking for joy? Having the right source, Paul says, is just this revelation. My God can supply everything I need. This is the secret to Christianity, that he is my source. The secret to my joy is that he is my source. He is everything that I need. And if every desire can be met in just his presence, how could I not respond in joy? That out of his overflow, 
I can abound no matter what circumstance I'm in. See, there's no need to be greedy. There's no need to be self-sufficient. I don't have to worry or be anxious or try and do it myself or keep it all together because God can supply everything I need. And that's the secret. This is why the good news is so good. See, this is what begins to happen is even in areas of my life where I've been hurt or wronged, it's because God has poured out so generously mercy and forgiveness upon me. How could I withhold it from somebody else? See, the way Christianity fights its enemies is by loving them and forgiving them. The way Christianity faces its trials is by rejoicing through them. Because out of the overflow of his glory, my life can abound no matter what circumstance I'm in. That even in the midst of trial and difficulty, joy is my response. Sadness is momentary, but joy is the rhythm of my soul. And I'm here to tell you today, there is more joy available than you are even aware of. Joy is not only possible for your situation, it's necessary. God wants to bring joy in every circumstance. You say, how? Because the situation that I'm faced with is really hard for me to feel joy right now. You say, the the, the thing that I'm up against, there's actually real pain that I feel. But that's why this is good news, because God doesn't ask for me to ignore my needs. God doesn't ask me to try and neglect or ignore the pain that I feel. He never asks me to sanitize my suffering. Paul says, I've known plenty and I've known need. I've known lack. David says, I've lost my joy and God, I need your help. But it's in being connected to the Holy Spirit that he gives us the grace and the strength to walk right through the middle of pain, knowing I've got another source, knowing that God is with me, knowing that he's working an eternal purpose in my life knowing that he's working it out, even if it's not good, he's making it good. He's working it out in my life for my good. And even in the midst of difficulty, the gospel gives us this bottomless ocean of hope that my pain and my suffering, God can take it and transform it and use it for my good. C.S. Lewis said that heaven's joy is retroactive, which means that We'll look back one day when Jesus comes again and we get to heaven. I have this feeling that we'll look back over our lives. Even in the moments of pain and grief, God can transform it to use it as a cause for joy and for celebration. It's the gospel. That's how good the good news is. That's what Hebrews says. Hebrews 12 tells us that Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. It just means that because of what Jesus has started, we now have the access and the ability through him. Because Jesus went first, I now get to follow in his pattern of resurrection life. Follow in his pattern. And the same verse that says the author and the perfecter says this. It says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. You see, joy, it's, it was an outcome. Jesus didn't enjoy hanging on the cross. He endured it because of the joy that was on the other side. 
He endured it for the glory that would await him, for the joy that it would bring him to see us restored and reconciled back to God again. Joy was an outcome. It, it, it was painful, but it, but it had a purpose. See, it's a very different thing to go through pain with a purpose than without. Even in the midst of difficulty, fear, anxiety, says, I've got a different source because Jesus went first. And thank God today that the reason that we get to proclaim the gospel is that Jesus didn't allow the pain of his circumstance to distract him from perfect obedience to God's plan, to God's purpose. Because of Jesus's death, we can experience freedom from sin and shame. Because he rose again, we now have the hope in the promise of resurrection life in heaven. And because of his example, we now can face life with the promise of hope and peace and purpose and joy. That's what makes the good news so good. Because God's wild generosity towards me, I now overflow out of his abundance. So it makes this message so good. It's, it's, the, it's the secret to life. I've got a different source. And my joy comes from a God who can supply everything that I need. You know, we started today talking about how if this good news is really that good, it should bring us joy on the inside, but it should compel us to share it. I'll tell you, if you want joy today, it starts... The result, the outcome is, is being full of the Holy Spirit. Five years ago, my wife and I moved from Chicago to Orange County. And, um, you know, I love my wife, learned a lot in five years of marriage, but early on we had trouble around a particular issue. And now being from Chicago, we, um, we had never had in and out until we moved here. <laughs> it's embarrassing to admit, but we ate at in and out a lot that first year. It's like, my God, a double-double. It's manna from heaven. <laughs> and we would have this thing where it seemed like we wanted to go to In-N-Out, but every time we would go to In-N-Out, it turned into a fight. Because we'd go and I'd, I'd walk up to the counter and I'd place my order. You know, I'd do the whole thing and then I'd say, okay, baby girl. <laughs> say, what do you want to eat? She'd say, I'll have a burger. Okay, great. Anything to drink? Oh, water. Okay, great. I said, would you like French fries? You know what she said? I'll have some of yours. <laughs> okay, somebody needs to speak up for the men of America today. I said, woman, no, I'm just kidding. I said, <laughs> I said, this is how you know it was serious. I said, honey, we can get you your own fries. <laughs> I says, really, it's, it's not a problem. She said, no, I, I don't want all of those. I just want some of yours. I said, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, they have done research on that container. It's not enough to feed two people. The, 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 the ratio is for one person. And if you take some away, you're messing with the science. <laughs> I said, 
I don't care if you have two fries and throw the rest of them away. You're not getting any of my fries. <laughs> then we went to counseling. Just kidding. <laughs> I realized that I take food seriously. Do you want to share a pizza? No, I don't. Would you like to split a dessert? No, not really. Well, can I have some of yours? No, because that's just code for you don't like yours, so you want what's mine. You can have some when I'm full, right? And you say, that sounds selfish. That's the truth. When you are full, you share. You missed it. When you are full, you share. Talking about sharing joy, it's called being full of the Holy Spirit. When I am full of the Holy Spirit, I don't need an evangelism course. I don't need a special lanyard. That joy is bubbling up on the inside of me. I've got something deep in my heart that says, you can't take my joy. You can't steal my praise. You can't take my worship. I got a revelation of how good God is, of how generous he's been towards me. And I'm bubbling up on the inside with joy and joy of abundantly. Come on, let's stand to our feet and give God praise today. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.